all you cool bears and cubs. Welcome to the Locked On Boston Bruins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your favorite team every single day. My name is Ian McLaren. I am your host, and again, this is a daily Boston Bruins podcast where we discuss all things spoke to be, as well as take a look around the NHL. To keep up with the Locked On Boston Bruins podcast, please follow the show on Twitter at LO underscore Boston Bruins. You can also find me at Ian C. McLaren. That is I-A-N-C-M-C-L-A-R-E-N. Subscribe, download, listen to the Locked On Boston Bruins podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Pocket Casts, wherever else you listen. And Apple users, please you leave a rating and a review. That would be very much appreciated. Today on the podcast, uh, not necessarily a fan Friday, but more of a, a friend Friday, uh, Anthony Kwiatkowski of Bruins Network is back on the podcast today. I'm sure many of you follow him on Twitter. He mainly covers the Providence Bruins, but has just great insights about the Bruins uh, in all aspects of the organization, all the way from the Bruins down to Providence, Atlanta, college prospects. And uh, we get into all that on today's episode, and I'm very excited for you to hear that conversation and the insights that that he has. And uh, I very much appreciate Anthony uh, just as a person, as a great guy, and for taking some time to chat uh, for today's podcast. So please enjoy this Friend Friday edition of Locked On Boston Bruins. I'll be back on Monday to, uh, I think we're going to kick off a look at some of the greatest teams in franchise history. And uh, so, of course, we'll be looking at the recent addition of the team success over the past decade but also kicking it back to the early 90s 70s and uh early versions of of uh of this great franchise so please look out for that next week but for now enjoy this conversation with anthony at bruins network and please uh just continue to stay safe out there practice social distancing and uh yeah and have a great weekend and i'll talk to you again on monday uh i'll sign off for now and kick it over to this conversation with anthony take care friends all right welcome back anthony kwiatkowski to the show from uh at bruins network on twitter uh he's been on the podcast, I can't exactly remember when, but a few months ago now, and it was a great chat, and uh, I was happy to be able to connect with with him again. So, yeah, thanks for for taking some time to talk today, Anthony. How are you doing down there? Uh, you know, I'm good, Ian. Just trying to, uh, you know, stay sane by sitting inside all day, and you know, just trying to do my part in the whole social distancing. But you know, glad to be back in uh, tough times with sports in the world, and. Uh, you know, just got to try and see what we can do to bridge the gap between sports and now. So here we are. Yeah. Yeah. I guess the, I think the Bruins would be wrapping up their regular season schedule this weekend with a game against Carolina. They would have played in St. Louis actually this week as well to have wrapped up the season. So the, those would have been two pretty good games to watch i'm sure and yeah i'm i'm personally really missing watching watching the bruins uh what are you kind of doing to to fill that hockey void these days 
you know, it, it's it's tough because I always see that, you know, Nessun or, or NBC or, or whatever networks are re-airing old games. And I think it's fun personally, you know, just sitting there and, and watching, you know, the old 2011 Cup run for, you know, the Bruins or other teams, you know, rivalry nights or whatever that's being re-aired. But I can only do that for so long personally. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, I, I, I watched it once 10 years ago when, when it happened and it's great. But, you know, it's like going on YouTube in the middle of the season and watching it. So um, there's definitely entertainment there. But for me personally, uh, I've, I've been trying to catch up on some of the, uh, the Providence games that I either didn't look too in-depth in or... Uh, you know, I, I didn't really pay attention to certain parts. I was busy or, you know, had it on the background doing some other work and, you know, just trying to focus on different players and, you know, just kind of trying to stay as fluent as I can in, in all things Bruins prospects these days. Very nice. Yeah. Before we get to Providence, I do want to talk about about the baby Bruins a little bit, but I guess there was some Bruins news to or this week where uh, Jeremy Swayman has been named one of the three finalists for the Hobie Baker Award. He, of course, is a goalie, and if you were to win, I think he'd be the first since Ryan Miller. Is that right? About almost yeah, 20 think, years I ago now. Yeah, I think it's now. been 20 years, yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, can you talk a bit about Swayman? Were you able to watch him uh, much this year? And and kind of where do you see him fitting into the Bruins' uh, short and long-term plans? Uh, yeah, so, you know, I, I get to see Swayman every now and again uh, in person because I, I live in Rhode Island and obviously in the heart of New England here, I get an opportunity to see a bunch of those schools, prospects and players, you know, get, get on the ice, whether it be Providence or UMass or, you know, even even Maine or, or you know, UNH from time to time. So, uh, you know, I, I do get to see him and, and I will say that I think he is uh, definitely a, a legitimate NHL goalie prospect, a, a future nice. starter. And I think that in terms of, of the league as a whole, when you look at other, uh, you know, uh, goalie prospects out there and a couple that come to mind are, you know, the guys like Jake Ottinger and, you know, Caden Primo and, and you know, McKay and, and other guys like that. I think he's right up there with them. I think he's he's among the best in the business, actually. Um, you know, he, he was obviously a, a mid-round pick for the Bruins, you know, a fourth-round pick from... Anchorage, Alaska. Uh, not many people talked about him too much, but there were a few people out there who, who did. Um, you know, he, he's had some juniors experience and so far everything has been translating in, into the NCAA. And what I will say is he's the absolute backbone and heart and soul of the, you know, humane bears up there. Um, right. You know, I, I think that their defense is shoddy at best most nights and he's the only thing that keeps them going. And I mean, you know, let's face it, he, he had, uh, you know, league-leading statistics for, you know, his position while facing the most shots by a significant margin. Yes. And, you know, that's that's something to be said about a goalie. So I, I think that in, you know, in, in terms of him being what he's, he's being advertised as right now with all these accolades and trophies and, you know, nominations and awards, I think he's right there. And I, I mean... You know, he was one of the the Hobie Hobie Baker finalists. You know, the the Hobie hat trick final three there, as as you mentioned. And mm-hmm. you know, for for my money, he's he's the definition of of what that you know award should should be. You know, I, I think he should win it. And that's not me being biased. It's just you know, obviously forwards and defensemen and you know centers, wingers, offensive guys. They obviously impact the score sheet, and that gives you direct wins. But 
when you're Jeremy Swayman and you're keeping your team relevant and still putting up the numbers that you are with the team that's in front of him, I mean, that's just incredible. Mm-hmm. When I look at, at the Bruins uh, goaltending situation, there's been some talk recently about Tukarask considering retirement after his contract's up, although I think he kind of debunked that the other day. Uh, he's still got some gas left in the tank, but um, Yaroslav Halak, he's a UFA this summer. I, I think they might struggle to re-sign him if, if the cap goes down like many expect it will if the playoffs uh, don't happen. Um, I think the Bruins, they look pretty well set. Uh, well, maybe not set, but there's some exciting prospects in the pipeline, not only with Swayman, but with also Cal Keeser, Dan Vlader, who played in Providence this year. Um, do you see one of those guys backing Rask up when next season resumes? Or how far away do you think uh, all three of these uh, uh, goalies would be from kind of stepping into a backup role and looking forward to kind of transitioning out of the Tuka Rask era? Um, so that's a good question because obviously the Bruins are kind of gifted right now having a tandem of two legitimate starting goalies. I mean, Halak can start on the majority of NHL teams right now with no problem, yeah. right? So uh, as you mentioned, he's probably you know due for a, a good free agent signing, whether it's one to two years, probably something like Robin Leonard, if I had a guess, um, you know, this summer. And, and I don't think the Bruins can pay him. You know, I think he makes, mm-hmm. what, $2.75 million right now on the cap. And, you know, that's that's a great deal for a, a legitimate backup like that, although it sounds a little bit pricey. But, you know, you put him in and there's no difference. There's no drop off in the yeah, playoffs. Sure. Obviously, yes. You know, we, we can obviously see that that Tuka Rask, just despite what, you know, his critics say is the go to guy for the playoffs. But mm-hmm. to have someone to step in there and, and play and, you know, just come in and just be as serviceable as possible and even steal you games, it's great. So that'll be a drop-off, I think, because I, I don't see a way that they can really retain Halak, especially with Tory Krug, you know, approaching free agency. And right. that creates another wrench there for their, you know, their money and, and their salary structure. But, you know, as far as the goalies in the pipeline go, I think next year, since Swayman signed, I think he's going to um, back up or be like a, a 1A, 1B situation with Dan Vidar and Providence. Okay, yeah. And I think Kyle Kieser... Uh, who struggled with health this year and in and, and his young career so far, unfortunately, in regards to his concussion history. Um, I think when he's healthy and, and hopefully he gets back to that, um, you know, to, to that 100% level because concussions aren't fun and, you know, they're pretty serious. Yeah. Uh, and any any traumatic brain injury is. So um, I, I am concerned about Keyser, unfortunately, but I think that, you know, if and when he gets fully healthy, um, he's going to be in Atlanta, you know, uh, with the Bruins double A affiliate down there starting full time. And I think the Bruins backup situation in Boston is probably going to be either a free agent signing or they're going to use uh, Max Legacy as their backup. Right, right. Yep. Which is which is probably the, the route that I would go personally, you know, from a team building aspect. He's cheap, he's efficient, and, you know, he has NHL backup experience. You know, he was with the Golden Knights for a little bit there and you know, he came up when, when he needed to. And, you know, obviously he, he wasn't great or anything special, but he's just a serviceable quality back, you know, backup goalie. And the Bruins in the past have had, you know, quality backup goalies, whether it's, uh, you know, Smith or 
uh, Gustafsson, you know, Halak now, but, you know, it was never these super high-end guys like Halak. So I think they'll be right. fine. Um, yeah. I, I think they can roll Legacy and, and be, you know, uh, you know, completely fine with Max between the pipes. And, you know, Vladar is a, an obvious candidate for, uh, you know, that breakout territory because this year he's leading the AHL and, and you know, save percentage and goals against, and he's been a stud down there. But, you know, you need to see that over a sample span going into next season because we already right. saw this with, say, McIntyre, you know, two years ago with, with the Providence Bruins. He had a stellar season. They tried him in Boston, and he wasn't good. You know, I, I remember watching, you know, when, when he got up there, and, uh, you know, it wasn't the best circumstances with the team during that that time. But again, you know, he's he's in the AHL for a reason still, and will he get there again? Don't know. Um, Vladar's kind of in the same category for me. I, I do think Vladar is more naturally gifted. I, I really do. Um, I think he also has NHL caliber tools and skills and traits, but also need to see it over a you know a full sample size. All right. Shifting gears to to some other Providence Bruins. Uh, you mentioned uh, the Bruins need to re-sign Tory Krug. There's a bunch of other guys who are uh, RFA status on the Bruins who will need new contracts, and it's possible that they might uh, need to fill some holes with some guys who are on their entry level deals. Uh, from the Providence Bruins, are there a couple of guys that you've seen really step up this season who have the chance to be regulars in the NHL lineup uh, as early as next season? I know I would think a guy like uh, Jack Stanika would be up there, uh, but who are some other standouts from, from the Providence Bruins that, that could uh, make the jump next season, do you think? Um, yeah, the, the usual suspects are, are definitely, you know, in the category of Jack Sidnika and, and, you know, Trent Frederick, who took a major step in his development this year, I'd say. Um, so I, I think Frederick and Sidnika are, are definitely going to be there. Uh, it's going to be really hard to keep Sidnika off the day, run, day one roster because yeah. he's ready. And I mean, unfortunately, you know, his season ended the night before the haltage with a, a, a knee injury. And there's been mm-hmm. no update on that. And he left the game, didn't return. Um, you know, I haven't been able to get an update on that yet personally. Uh, so who knows what, what's the severity of that is. But what I will say is, you know, I think when you look at someone like Trent Frederick, he's someone that can step in and fill almost any line you need to, any role, any category. I mean, you know, his physical attributes can kind of outweigh some of what his puck handling, stick handling and other aspects like that may or may not be yet. Um, which isn't a knock because I, I think he's there, but just hypothetically, if they don't, you know, directly translate to the next level yet. So, you know, I'm looking at Trent Frederick to be that kind of guy that can just fill any, you know, bottom six role, middle six role if need be. Um, you know, Zach Senishin's another one who we've chatted about and, you know, who yep. you and I are both obviously high on. Uh, I think he's ready right now. Uh, matter of fact, I, I think a, a third line, in the NHL of, of Andrews Bjork at your left wing and Charlie Coyle at center with Zach Senishin at right wing would be yes. a really good line, you know, and I think that's, that's a playoff hockey style line too, where you have some guys who obviously have creativity, but they also have speed, a little bit of size, and, you know, they got a lot of strength and possession down the middle and on the wings. So I think Zach Senishin's ready. Um, unfortunately with him, you're in, you know, you're approaching waiver territory. 
So right. if he's not on the day one roster in Boston, you got to put him down to waivers if you want to set him down. So I don't know how you do that personally um, with someone like that, because although his stats haven't been uh, where they were supposed to be, uh, and, and a lot of people would like his production to be, I just don't see how another GM would, you know, let him kind of slip through like that, especially since scouts are in and out of Providence all day long. So, you know, that that's a tricky situation. Now, you know, when you look at the future like that and, and you know, waiver situations with prospects who can step in now, the start of the season is the best time to do it because teams are at their roster limits, they're over their roster limits, and they're over their contract limits or they're approaching right. their contract limits. So, you know, you don't see too many claims at the start of the season. You know, we saw Peter Solarik last year slip through uh, twice, actually, and then we also saw Josh Hosang, a highly talented right. prospect. You know, he slipped right through. There were Damn. definitely teams who could have used him. Yep, and I, I believe uh, Sven Berchi from um, Vancouver slipped through as well. Great. So, you know, obviously that, that's a player with a contract that's more than, you know, entry level. But again, good players slip through at that time of the year, and that's the time to do it. But that's something I worry about. Um, similar with the Uckham Zaboral, who I think can step in right now and play. Mm. I don't think he's going to be a, um, you know, stalwart top four defenseman right now, but... You know, he's got the physical attributes to be, and he's really turned the corner this year. You know, he's he's started a new chapter in his book, and it looks like he can actually become a, a serviceable, quality, you know, modern NHL defenseman in some capacity. Um, I was on a podcast yesterday with uh, my buddy Kirk Ludicky, and I likened him on there to uh, Colin Miller, you know, somewhere hmm. around uh, something like that. You know, the, the left shot version of Colin Miller where, yeah, you know, he, he has that booming slap shot accurate hard on that but sometimes he does you know things that are either selfish or you just watch him and you're like why did you make that play you know why did you do that because now you you, you let up a scoring chance or a goal or you know <laughs> you, you left someone out to drive because you, you blew coverage or you didn't pick up a player when you were supposed to so I think you know Jakob Zaboros like that too um, obviously Carson Kuhlman's down there right now we've seen it he's an NHL player you know I think that if the Bruins can't find a spot for him, he'd be attractive to other teams in a trade package somewhere for something. Uh, but I think, you know, he's one who can step in right now. Obviously, we've seen it. Finding the right role for Carson Kuhlman's a, a you know, bit of a difference. But again, he's ready. He can step in. And also in Providence, I think Cameron Hughes is another player. You know, I think, you know, we saw him for one game in Boston, looked fine, had, you know, praise from Bruce Cassidy, he was thrown out there and, you know, whenever and, and can do whatever. So, you know, I, I'm looking at a guy like Cameron Hughes to step in and fill any kind of void you, you could, you know, come up with for the most part. So, um, you know, I, I think that there's definitely some guys down there and I'm sure I'm, I'm even missing a couple thinking about it. But yeah, those are those are the main candidates right now. Yeah, thinking about Sinishin and, and Zboro, it'd be, it'd be a real shame to have invested so much time developing those guys and then to lose them through waivers at this point I, I would hope that that would not be the case but crazier things have happened I guess it, it all makes me wonder like with Sneka Frederick if um, you know David Krejci's time at maybe coming to an end with the Bruins we, he's he'll be entering the last season of his contract uh, next season whenever whenever that happens and we know Coyle's resigned for quite some time, and I think he could fill in that that second line center role at at some point. What do you think about 
David Krejci's long-term future as as a as a Bruin? Do you think he'd be maybe a trade candidate to kind of clear some cap space uh, before uh, the beginning of next season, or or do you think they'll ride out his contract and maybe um, part ways at that point, or or do you think they'll try to make it work that he can finish his career as a Bruin? Uh, you know, I, I think that's an interesting scenario, and and it's one that's been you know coming up recently, and maybe it's because you know we're we're without hockey, and you know it's a bit of a yeah. boredom territory to see what we can <laughs> yeah. kind of come up with. But uh, you know, I think David Krejci himself mentioned you know years ago when he signed that extension that when it's over he would you know think about finishing his you know professional playing career at home overseas. Right. So. I think that's a possibility when when the contract's up, but I don't see the Bruins, you know, ditching David Krejci at the start of next season. I think, you know, it would be at the end of next season where, you know, they're evaluating his contract status and saying, you know, what is this someone that, you know, we can retain on a different deal? Is this someone who fits into what we're doing, you know, right now? Because when I think of it, you know, I, I'm looking at as long as the Bruins want to be competitive and, and be true contenders, right? They need yeah. to actually look at someone like David Krejci to still be on their team. For but sure. on the other hand, if you have Jack Sednica and he's a legitimate top six center prospect and he's someone that could actually grow into a first line center, which I think he could, yeah. um, you know, I think he could probably step into a middle six role right now and be a legitimate impact center. So, mm -hmm. you know, that's on short money. That's good money. And, and he's proven to be durable up until this recent injury, um, you know, knock on wood moving forward for him. But, uh, you know, it, it's an interesting scenario. David Krejci's on the books for, you know, seven and a quarter million. And that's mm -hmm. a lot, especially when you're trying to re-sign Tory Krug, who's going to command at least, you know, uh, 1.75 to two and a half million dollars more than what he's making right now. You know, that, yeah. that's the, you know, you're looking at somewhere between six and a half million on a good day to eight million on a bad day for him. So it's, it's a tricky situation and one they'll have to, you know, kind of think about, but Hey, if Stadnika can come in and camp and anchor a second line of, of, you know, DeBrusque and Andre Kasha and, you know, be interchangeable with Charlie Coyle as well. And, you know, centering whether it's Bjork and Richie or, or, you know, Richie and Seneshin or Bjork and, uh, you know, Seneshin, I, I think that there's a legitimate argument there to see, you know, if it's time to move on from Krejci or not. But I think as, as long as they want to be actual threats in this league, you, you can't have too many guys like Krejci and Sednica. And the longer you have both of them, the, the better you'll be in the short term if you can make the finances work. Plus, For sure, yeah. you know, there's, there's obviously players you can get rid of too that, you know, will come up with, with financial uh you know, freedom for your team. And Kevin Miller's one who's going to be coming off the books and I don't see him right. being re-signed. And, you know, they also have a, a guy like Chris Wagner, you know, on a three-year extension now making over a million bucks a year. It doesn't sound like a lot, but it adds up right there. Mm -hmm. You free three, you know, three and a half million dollars. And well, hey, who knows? And, you know, you also got John Moore on the books for, you know, yeah. a, a little under $3 million per year for the next three seasons. So I think the money can work if you want it to. And I, I think, you know, there's there's enough players to move around if you want to maintain that core group. But, you know, the depth is nice to have guys like Moore there and, you know, to have guys like Krejci there, even if Sednika's coming up or Lausanne's coming up or, you know, Zaboral's coming up and they're taking that next step. So I think that 
as long as it's team wants to be contenders and, you know, they want to capitalize on Chara and Tuka Rask and Marshan and Bergeron and Krejci, that they need to have someone like Krejci there just as, as, you know, a safety net in case someone like Sidney is not ready. For sure. What uh, What's your sense on Tory Crew? Do you think they'll be able to, I guess it's hard to say, we don't know what the cap is going to be. Um, if there'll be a, a financial effect of losing revenue, but do you think uh, he'll kind of jump on board and take one of these team-friendly deals that uh, we've kind of become accustomed to with, with the star players, or uh, do you think he might see what else is out there and kind of take the most that he can get in, in free agency? Uh, I, I think that if... If both sides want him to stay, I, I think he's going to stay. Yeah. Uh, obviously, both sides have have you know behind a veiled curtain and and you know in in jest have both hinted that they both want to you know get something done. Um, and and from what I'm hearing, there's there is traction there, and you know that that comes from multiple people closer and obviously more intuitive than I am with this kind of stuff. But yeah. you know, from my own personal belief. I think that you're going to see a, a more team friendly deal than most people are thinking of. And right. that's Don Sweeney. You know, mm-hmm. uh, we saw it with, with Marshan. We saw it with Pasternak. Uh, you know, he, he signed both Lausanne and, and Clifton to extremely team friendly deals for the next couple of years. So, I mean, look at Charlie Coyle as well, you know, and, and, and you look back at what Kevin Hayes commanded on the open market last year, <laughs> yeah. you know, $7.1 million per year. And I think that, you know, Charlie Coyle's a better player than Kevin Hayes. Yeah. I just don't I'd think he has Coyle. the opportunities. Yeah. yeah. So I think that to get someone in that range of, of $5.25 million a year versus $7.1 million is kind of, you know, incredible. And obviously, yeah. you know, there's different things that go along with that. One's an unrestricted free agent, you know, in a, a grim market of free agents. But again you have a GM who's, who has a proven track record with this core, with this group, with these friends of that player. You know, these guys mm-hmm. are all friends with, with Tory Krug, obviously he's a leader in the locker room. So, you know, he's, he's the only defenseman in the last, what, three seasons to average 50 consecutive points aside from Victor. So that's someone that you have to look at and be like, wow, that's legitimate, you know, 7.5 to $8 million free agent player uh, in yeah. theory. Now, a lot of people seem to leave out other key aspects, like he's not as explosive skater and he's not as fast and, you know, dynamic with his feet as these other, you know, defensemen are, like like Victor Hedman or Eric Carlson. But he is a 50-point player. He obviously has the vision to drive a power play and make it into a, a weapon and just, you know, have those elements that just as he's on the ice, everyone around him is more dangerous. So I think you're going to see a team-friendly deal if he stays. Uh, I think it's going to be somewhere between six and a half to seven million dollars. I don't think it's going to be over that. Uh, and it also wouldn't, you know, it wouldn't surprise me to see him come in at like, you know, six and a quarter million. Uh, because again, Tory Krug has, has said he would take a home count, a hometown discount. And, you know, at, at what point you sit back and you say, wow, is this enough money for, you know, me and my family and our future. And obviously it is, we, we all know that. And, and most of these NHL players are set regardless, but right. you get what you're worth and you, you deserve what you're worth. Obviously, you know, I, I'm not going to do my job for less than what I'm worth, just like you wouldn't and anyone else. Obviously it's, it's, you know, 
more difficult when you're thinking about regular people making, you know, 50, 60, 70,000 a year versus 5 million, 6 million, 7 million a year, plus endorsements, plus sponsorships, all that kind of stuff. So I think there's, there's obviously more leeway there with a professional athlete versus the regular person. So, but again, you know, you, you make what you want and, and, you know, if, if you have the opportunity to command $8 million versus $5 million, go do it. Who am I to tell you not to? You know, right. obviously I would love to sit back and say, wow, if I was in that position right now to say, if I was offered $5 million for five years, for the next five years versus $8 million for the next, you know, four years elsewhere, and I have to go move and, you know, whatever, if that works for me, then hell yeah, I'm going to take it. You know, it's, it's, it's something that people overlook and, you know, they're always kind of condescending towards professional athletes taking these deals and expecting it of them, but they don't owe you anything, you know? They don't owe you that, and you certainly don't, you know, owe anyone in, in your line of work a, a discount. I'm sure you're not telling your boss you'll take 25% less than what you're worth. So, <laughs> you know, I, I yeah. think that, that obviously for Krug to take less than what he's making now is is an albatross, but somewhere, you know, in between the, the 6 to $7 million range, I think that's perfectly fair for both sides. And, you know, he's approaching his 30s. He's a smaller defenseman. Uh, and you know, he, he's limited in, in certain areas that other guys who make, you know, the same that he will aren't, you know, like a Victor Hedman type guy or, or Eric right. Wilson. So, you know, I, I think you'll see some kind of discount and I think it's going to surprise a lot of people. I don't think he's going to be near $8 million. So. Right. Yeah. 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 I really hope they can make that work for sure. Um, finally, last hockey question. Do you. Do you think uh, it's impossible to say right now, I guess, but do you think we're going to get uh, a Stanley Cup winner in 2020 or, or do you think kind of the season is going to end up being scrapped? Um, you know, I'm not a public health expert and I think I said yeah. something about that on Twitter, uh, I think last week, but you know, it's becoming increasingly grim, honestly. And, mm. you know, everything that's going on with social distancing and, you know, the, these public spectacles and people not abiding by the rules is kind of being a detriment to the hope of that. Um, I think for the NHL looking forward to, you know, playoffs, I think that's going to be a, a thing that the owners are really pushing for regardless. Yeah. And, and I can't see, uh, I, and I mean, first of all, Jeremy Jacobs can't figure out, you know, how to uh, avoid shooting himself in the foot these days and his yeah. entire organization can't. So, yeah. you know, him being the driving force of multiple lockouts already, now going into the territory where he's getting, you know, double-digit million-dollar figures in his pocket for free, not having to pay his players in the playoffs, that's right. something where you're looking like, wow, these owners are obviously banding together to get playoffs. So I think you'll see playoffs at some point. I think it's going to be, you know, some kind of spectacle that we don't really want, some format we don't want. Right. Uh, it's been floated around in that 2014 format, you know, a uh, round robin type scenario, maybe where you get three game series or five game series instead of seven. But I would be surprised if we got the full seven game series, you know, full four rounds starting, you know, in the next two months. I just don't see how that's possible. You know, yeah. cases in, in North America are rising by day uh, with COVID-19 and it's scary out there, you know, and, and, Everyone's trying to do the best they can, but, you know, you still have some people who aren't doing what they should be and companies and corporations and, you know, uh, 
political leaders who who are taking you know the appropriate steps every single day and it's just it, it there's no easy way around it obviously and, and this comes you know first to sports the players know that the owners know that but uh you know i i'd be remiss if, if i said i don't have some kind of you know worry that someone like jeremy jacobs and the ownership are still trying to gun for you know these these playoff revenue paychecks and I don't know what it's going to be like. You know, maybe we have playoffs with no one in the arena. <laughs> you know, yeah. but again, you look at a sport like hockey where you got players spitting on the ice. Yeah. You know, you got yeah, guys exactly. falling down in the spit. You know, you got them, yeah, you know, face to face celebrating goals and trash talking and up against the boards. And it's something that people don't think about, but you can't have a hockey game like that. You know, even, even if you test all these players uh, to, you know, say, okay, we are COVID 19 free, you know, no one has it right now. I mean, how are you going to have a, a, a public health crisis where people of, of, you know, 30 groups, you know, 20 to 30 groups of, of hockey players are on the ice at, at one given time with coaches on the bench screaming in each other's faces, you know, inadvertently spitting on each other, the refs, the officials, the trainers. If the trainer's talking to the equipment manager, if the equipment manager, you know, touched an unsanitized door handle in the hallway and wiped his nose or whatever, and then you know, handed a player a stick and he wiped his face or took his mouth guard out and put his mouth guard back in like they do every shift. You know, there's so many variables there that aren't being spoken about when when people are trying to get hockey and sports back out. And I think that complicates things beyond what we're we're processing right now in, in the middle of this, you know, global crisis. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm really torn. Obviously, the public good and the greater good is obviously the most important thing. And yeah, I don't know. I'm increasingly skeptical that we'll we'll see hockey again anytime soon. But I do hope that this Bruins lineup is able to to get some meaningful games in. I really do. Even like you were saying, watching those 2011 games and comparing that roster to to this year's team, I really think this is top to bottom one of the the best Bruins rosters. Uh, yeah, in recent memory it's, it's of sad. my lifetime, and yeah, it's it's a real bummer that we might have that robbed from us. But obviously, that's it's secondary to to what's going on in the world, and safety and is the highest priority. So it's tough all around for sure. Absolutely. To, you know, just to uh, oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh no, no, I was I was just going to further your point, and you know, it's just not as simple as people saying, "Well, yeah. why can't we just have it with no, you know, no spectators?" Because there's yeah, a yeah, whole yeah. a whole chain going on that you don't even realize. For sure, yeah. Well, just to end on a more positive note, is there anything else other than uh, Providence games that you're kind of watching these days to to stay busy, or any any shows that you recommend, or any books you're reading that you recommend to to listeners to help them stay busy during this time? Yeah, to uh, to stay busy, I'm I'm uh, you know just doing some uh, work, which is what I do, uh, you know, marketing and social media work, and been yeah. playing a lot of video games, probably more than I should. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You know, currently currently playing a lot of Overwatch, Call of Duty, Warzone. Uh, you know, Apex Legends, and I've been playing Animal Crossing, you know, getting nice. ripped off by a virtual raccoon wearing a, a <laughs> Hawaiian shirt. So uh, things are great. They're they're going well for me. Uh, in terms of, of books, I don't know how to read, but if I knew how to read, I would tell you right now I'm reading a book called When Marnie Was There. Tremendous. Okay. Um, if you're like me and can't read, try and get the audio book or whatever you can. But uh, 
yeah, you know, uh, just try and stay healthy out there and do your part and just take it as serious as possible because it really is a serious situation we're in. Yeah, for sure. Well, uh, I appreciate you taking some time to chat today and it's always good to catch up and, and talk about the Bruins and I'm sure I will hit you up throughout uh, well, however long this pause goes and certainly when, when hockey gets going again to, to talk about this team and everything that's going on. So I really do appreciate it and, and hope you do take care down there. And uh, yeah, we'll, we'll talk again soon for sure. Absolutely. Thanks for having me.